This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear reports from Tyler Donaldson, Whitney Pittman, and Don Wick. Farmville is one of the priorities from members of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association at its annual meeting in Orlando. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick is there and has this update. In an interview with the Red River Farm Network, National Cattlemen's Beef Association past president Don Schiefelbein voiced doubt about a farm bill vote this year. Not very confident at all, to be honest, because as you know, when you're in an election year like this, it is politically posturing. Everybody's posturing. Nobody wants to let somebody else get a win. So if you pass anything, they're afraid, well, will that help my opponent? So it's been a really a struggle to try and get things done, and we have saw that in the financial bills as well, right? So what's the ask really from the cattle industry? Well, we, we want to just make sure they don't uh, take very much away. We understand budgets are tight in that uh, financial things are more difficult. Where I'd like to see a lot of effort being placed, though, is this LRP. It appears there's opportunity, especially for breeders of all sizes, to refine LRP, get it so it's in a place that it can almost be that balancing bar with the crop insurance, right? And as you know, if you're a crop farmer, it's hard to fail sometimes given the crop insurance availability that you have of you. We want the same thing, kind of that same effect so that these cattle producers who want to get in here, especially young ones, can do so with a lot of, without a lot of risk. I heard that LRP discussion more and more down here. And like you said, crop insurance we've had for, uh, for a long, long time, and it's become that uh, foundation for that industry. Yeah, and, and, and it's key, right? I mean, it's absolutely key. In any industry where you have so much cost involved, if you don't have a safety net plate put in place, boy, I mean, the consequences of a wrong decision can be disaster, right? End of business. So it's so important that we do what we do it right. But as you know, Cattle producers are a pretty independent bunch, right? And they don't want their government involved. But what I've been telling people across the board is the one thing the government usually can do successfully is write a check. So just take check for the insurance and try to try to get yourself at least that safety net put in place. Chief Obine is a producer from Kimball, Minnesota. In the Red River Farm Network interview, Chief Obine also discusses animal identification and the cattle market. The full interview can be found on the Red River Farm Network website. Our coverage of CattleCon 24 made possible by the Minnesota Beef Council, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, the North Dakota Stockmen's Association, and the North Dakota Beef Commission. From Orlando, I'm Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network. Minnesota State Cattlemen's Association would like to see fairness in USDA disaster programs. President Jake Thompson explains. It's trying to just have people that are using best management practices that were maybe incentivized by an equip program like a rotational grazing or something like that where they've been able to increase their stocking rate or their carrying capacity on their land. We just want to make sure those people get recognized when it does come time for a disaster payment maybe such as LFP um, during a drought times that but they base their payments on how many animals you have per acre uh, based on a county average so we just want to make sure that those people that are, are been improved those practices are also getting recognized for that and being able to get paid for their efforts. Voluntary electronic identification policy was passed Thursday. Thompson's phone was going off nearly nonstop during the past week with producers weighing in 
on that issue. That's why we really encourage people to come to our annual meeting in December, sit down at our resolutions meeting on the Thursday afternoon, and that's where we hash these out. If your local or you or your local has some strong opinions on different stuff, bring it to us and let's discuss it and, and make a resolution on the state level so we can support it on the national level or not. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack was in southeastern Minnesota yesterday highlighting the Biden administration's efforts to lower energy costs, generate new income, and create jobs in rural communities. Vilsack spent time at a family-owned grocery store in St. Charles, Minnesota, meeting with local producers, small business owners, and uh, that have received funding from USDA's Rural Energy for America program, or REAP program. Of the $1.6 billion REAP funds spent nationally, Minnesota has received $53.8 million. That's the most REAP funding than any other state in the country. This is the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. USDA uh, under, uh, Secretary Tom Vilsack visited Minnesota yesterday, and events are uh, taking place in Fargo this weekend. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation President Dan Glessing. You've had a long, uh, long road trip here to get up here to Fargo. Got a chance to see uh, Ag Secretary Vilsack. Yeah, absolutely. Got up, milk cows, and then headed down to southeast Minnesota and uh, uh, was part of that press conference and, and then uh, turned around and came to Fargo. So what were some of the things that were covered today, uh, announcements, that sort of thing? Well, it was more about how these grants that are have been rolled out a lot of them through the ira the inflation reduction act um, are helping small producers small businesses uh, in rural areas and so that was it was refreshing they had uh, three folks who had received grants for various you know for various reasons and um, they just talked about the, how, how to get these and, and what they're doing and so um, I reached out to Secretary Vilsack afterwards and said, how, do, how can we be better at, at promoting this to our membership? And so he was going to get us some, uh, some of the, the avenues to, to get it out to our membership because there are a lot of good programs that are going on. Uh, we just need to make sure that our members know about them. All right, so great day for that. And of course, LEAP Conference is, is getting started, tours and stuff here this afternoon. So what are you looking forward to the next couple days? Well, it's just really getting together with friends and, and like-minded folks um, and, and those who aren't like-minded, really. It's, it's to see the variety of membership that we have. Um, this is kind of where we got our start, my wife, Cena and I, and, and um, it's just great because it's, it's making new friends and some of these friends will be with you for life. And so, um, and you get to learn. There's a lot of great speakers, a lot of great breakout um, uh, sessions as well. So. All in all, it's going to be a good weekend. Leadership, education, advocacy, and promotion, uh, some tours, and, and of course, uh, competitions as well for young farmers and ranchers. Yeah, we've got it all here, don't we? Um, but no, it's, it's good. It, it is something for everyone. And, and if you missed out this year, I'd encourage you to check it out for next year. All right. Well, anything else we should touch on before we let you go? No, just looking forward to legislative session. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things that we, we like to do is advocate for our, our members. All right. Well, thank you, Dan Glessing, joining us here on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman reporting from Fargo. The Minnesota Farmers Union Foundation now accepting applications for their Cooperatives for Climate Grant program. 
MFU Climate and Working Lands Director Ariel Kagan highlights opportunities for both new and established cooperatives. A small grant that offers technical service uh, support to farmer cooperatives to engage in climate solutions. Our goal is to support any kind of farmer cooperative, so whether that's an emerging and sort of establishing cooperative of farmers just getting together and thinking about how a cooperative model might work for them, or a more established cooperative. Uh, we see so many different opportunities for the cooperative model to be responding to the climate change situation that we're in. And we've got all this public and private policy and, and investment happening in the space, and cooperatives need to be a part of that. These grants are meant to help the entities engage in projects that wouldn't otherwise happen. Our grant program is uh, up to $30,000 per cooperative to use for business development or to other technical services like governance documents, um, feasibility studies, even things like maybe a carbon intensity study or a market assessment for these new clean fuel markets. It's really wide open, but the idea is that you're using the funds to do something that wouldn't otherwise be happening with the cooperative and that it's addressing some of the climate change impacts that we're seeing, which are really widespread, right? Everything from on-farm practices to uh, what happens after you harvest and how you market your products. USDA has awarded over $9.5 million to strengthen Minnesota's food supply chain infrastructure. Under the Resilient Food Systems Infrastructure Program, USDA's Agricultural Marketing Services and the Minnesota Department of Agriculture working together, offering $9.5 million in competitive grant funding. Minnesota uh, Department of Agriculture accepting grant applications for this program through April 3rd. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The Red River Farm Network hosting a series of interviews highlighting the new NDSU faculty. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has more. My guest today is NDSU Assistant Professor of Soil Fertility, Kelsey Grisheim. So I see that your appointment at NDSU is 70% research and 30% teaching. Can you share some of the subjects that you're teaching and how they might overlap with your research? The courses that I'm teaching, um, the big one that I that I taught last semester was Intro to Soils. So it's a 200-level class, undergraduates coming in who probably have never really given soil a second thought. So we just go over different biological, chemical, physical processes in soils. And then towards the end of the class, we get into how can we manage soils. The other course that I will be teaching that I have not yet taught here at NDSU is soil fertility and fertilizers. That is a lot more applied into the topics that, that I would be researching. Um, and that gets into what are the different nutrients in the soil, how do we measure them, how do they move in the soil, and then focusing again on that applied aspect of how do we manage the systems. Was the goal always to end up in research or did you have an interest in teaching as well? Majority of my appointment is research and I, I would say that my my progress through academia has been more focused on research. However, I really do like to teach. It's a lot of fun um, and there is a great benefit as a scientist to revisit some of the basic principles of what you're studying. So it, it really serves me in my research to kind of revisit those topics every year. But I will say that, that the research is, is a major part of what I do here at NDSU and I certainly spend more time on research than teaching just because of my appointment. On the topic of research, can you share with us a little bit about what you've been working on or any interesting projects that you have coming up here soon? My research program is aimed at managing soil fertility. Historically, I've worked with nitrogen a lot. Down in Illinois, you've got two crops. You have corn or soybean. <laughs> um, 
up here I'm having to learn a lot more about different types of crops, but the work that I've done historically has been looking at nitrogen management. So I have been trained to use something called N15, which is a stable heavy isotope. We can take N15, enrich nitrogenous fertilizer source, and apply it just like a producer would. And then I can use it as a tracer to trace exactly where those fertilizer applications are going. The parameter that I'm most interested in that I spend a lot of time researching and talking about is fertilizer nitrogen uptake efficiency. This is the percentage of nitrogen that we're applying that's getting into the crop. And I think this makes a lot of sense for a couple different reasons. The first reason, and probably the most obvious, fertilizer is something that producers are purchasing. So if we can maximize the amount of that purchased resource that's getting into the crop, that's a very good thing for the producer. But on the other side of things, if we're getting the most of that fertilizer into the crop, that means we're also leaving the least amount of it in the soil where it can be lost and become a pollutant. So it's really kind of a win-win situation when we can find those practices that maximize fertilizer efficiency. It serves the producer, it serves the taxpayer, everyone wins. That was NDSU Assistant Professor of Soil Fertility, Kelsey Grisheim. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. Checking markets this morning, we're seeing wheat trade 6 to 10 higher. Corn is a fraction either side of unchanged. Soybeans right now trading... uh, about a penny, penny and a half higher. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.